kids to Sunday school. You guys be good. I told the Sunday school teachers that if they ever need to send kids out here, they can absolutely send the kids out here if they have to. I was like, you know what? If they're being bad, tell them that they're going to have to go sit with me. And if I'm up here talking, I got a seat right here for them. I'd probably incorporate them in my sermon somehow. I wouldn't be mean. Uh, I don't want to scar them for life or anything like that. Be like, man, the preacher's crazy. You don't want to go to that church. They... <laughs> what? It worked last week? Oh, oh, they're using the thread, I guess. <laughs> but you got to follow through <laughs> if you have to. Probably only have to do it once. <laughs> uh, well, I, uh, you know, Christmas time comes around every year. And I always have this, like, stress in my brain like everybody's heard the Christmas story so I mean everybody and call it the Christmas story was Jesus born in December you know what he was born it doesn't matter which month it is we don't have to celebrate his birth but I tell you what we can always take time to focus on Jesus I think that's important so if you're a person who's like oh Christmas is whatever you know what whatever okay I'm not asking you to celebrate Christmas, but take some time this year. It's the end of the year. It's a good time to reflect. Is your life where you want it to be? Do you think it's where God wants it to be? You know, maybe it's time to make some changes. And so that is, um, that's the way that I look at it. It's time to evaluate. It's a time to reflect and look. And it's a time to spend time with your family. 
If you are, if you haven't got one of these, they're out in the entryway. They're the upcoming dates, all the stuff coming up, like the ugly sweater party this Wednesday. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. You're going to want to be there. We have a comedy hour. I'm kidding. We don't. <laughs> Maybe we will. I don't know. I have a little thing I'm going to teach about for just a few minutes, but we're going to have a good time. <laughs> um, 6.30. Yes. Thank you. 6.30. Come join. It'll be a fun time. Um, and then we got a family night coming up on the 15th and worship night coming up on the 31st. It's going to be a good time. Pack it all with all the stuff. So I know everybody's like, well, I got family time. <laughs> yeah, I know. If you're not doing anything and you're bored, <laughs> you can come hang out with this family. We're just as crazy. We might even be more crazy than your family. <laughs> uh, well, while I was preparing, I was praying and I was just like, the, the other day I was like, this is what happens towards the end of a series. God, I need something because I don't know what I'm going to do next month. <laughs> help me, God. Please help me. <laughs> And the other day, like, it just hit me. There was this scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, so I'm going to give you that. Um, And it says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so the title of this series is Three Gifts. And so if you were thinking it was frankincense and myrrh and gold, that's not it. It's faith, hope, love. That's what we're going to be talking about this month. And so that's going to be the focus scripture for this month because... We know that there's many gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians talks about the gifts of the Spirit, and 12 and 13 kind of encompass those gifts of the Spirit. But we're going to focus on these three specific gifts. So the question you have to ask yourself through this series is, have I found these gifts? The gifts that we are going to look at are faith, hope, and love. Those are the three, not frankincense and myrrh and gold. Faith, hope, and love. Who needs some more faith in here? I need some more faith. Sometimes I need a little bit more hope, (laughs) and I need a whole lot more love. (laughs) So I need all of them, okay? So we're going to be talking about this, but the first thing I want to draw your mind to is, do you remember, does anyone have a memory of when you were a kid, like looking for gifts that your parents had bought you? I see some head, I hear some laughs. just to, just to throw this out there, like when I was a kid, I remember my parents would always be like, if you know what I bought you for Christmas, I'm going to take it back. And so it was like this thing. So now I wanted to know what it was, but I also didn't want you to know that I had figured it out because that's the ultimate thing. Even in this day and age, my wife will order me something. And I know because UPS tells me, like, I got it all set up. Like, if someone's sending something to my house, I'm going to know about it because UP, and the U.S. Postal Service, you can sign up for this thing and they scan your mail and you can see a picture of the bills that are coming tomorrow. It's the most depressing thing ever. <laughs> but you never know. Like, I like to check the mail. So I remember as a kid, though, like, wanting to um, figure out what we got. And I remember this one time specific. I think we were playing hide and seek. And we wandered ourselves into mom's closet. You know, that's a great place to hide and hide and seek. She's got all this clothes and you can hide up behind the clothes and stuff. But you know what else they hide back there? The presents. And I remember seeing a bag and I was like, it's the Christmas presents. We found them. Shh, don't tell it. You know, I still get excited. So, like, I don't remember if you had those memories of, like, running recon missions into mom and dad's bedroom, trying to figure out what the presents were, all that stuff. Like, 
I don't know, like, that's to me, like, that's half the fun for Christmas was, like, finding those gifts. <laughs> if I knew what it was when they put the box out there and you shake it, you know me, I'd be like, I know what this is because I saw it. <laughs> but I got to try and figure it out before I open it. Like, I want to know. My wife always is upset because every time we leave Walmart and I buy something that I, I needed or I wanted, by the time I get to my car, it's already open. Like, she's like, why are you opening that right now? Can't you wait till we get to the car? No, I want to see it now. Can't you wait till we get home? No, <laughs> I want to open this flash drive right now. <laughs> Can't use it. But I have this like impatience thing, you know, like I just like, Lord, teach me patience. I'm not really praying that God, just so you know. Like, <laughs> that's a big prayer. <laughs> but, but gifts can be exciting. But what gifts has our heavenly father given us? that we have not looked for. We, we kind of have this uh, place in our relationship with God, and maybe we haven't really looked for the gift. Maybe you're new to following Christ, and you, you haven't really looked. Well, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, it, it talks about different gifts of the Spirit that God uses in his church. Where, uh, words of prophecy, uh, tongues interpretation, all these, all these different things. And um, I challenge you to go in there and look at it. We just did a study on... 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and we just finished that up. But in chapter 13, it says these three remain. It says faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Now, one of the things that I love that it talks about at the beginning of 1 Corinthians that I didn't even have in here, but I saw it on Facebook the other night. I was like, man, I love that saying. It says just because you can speak in tongues, if you can't apologize in English, it doesn't really matter. And it's so true. I think it's in 1 Corinthians, it talks about it. You can have all these things, but if you don't have love, it's like a gong, a clashing cymbal. It don't sound good to God. Who cares if you can do it, if you can't apologize in English to the person that's next to you? So it's things that we've got to work on. We need love. The greatest of these is love. So today, we're going to focus on faith. So how do we find it? What does it look like? And why do we need faith? Those are the three things that we're going to talk about today. So let's start. Faith. How do we find it? I'm glad you asked. I prepared to answer that question today. <laughs> How do we find it? Faith, first off, is attainable. You've got to know that. It's not this like magic thing that you wish enough stuff and like then I have faith. Or it's not, it's, it's not like um, this, if I do this enough, like then then that'll mean I have a great faith or anything like that. That's not what faith is. It's, it's not like the gifts your mom and dad hid. There's no secret to unlocking it. Faith is something that we use, but what we use it on determines our hope. Think about that. I think that's a really important point that we have to recognize is what do I put my faith into? Because that's determining your hope. So in Romans 12, 3, it says, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. If you have your Bible open, if you got that, you should highlight that part right there. He's distributed a measure of faith to each one. You know what that means? You have the faith that you need. He prepared you to have the faith that you needed. So I don't know about you, but I tend to lose things. But today, I've helped you find faith. You have enough. 
to get what you need. But you have to ask yourself, where have I placed my faith? You should be able to rejoice to know that he's prepared you to have what he has required of you. It's not some magical thing. You've got the faith. He's distributed to you a measure of faith. Now, everyone's been given a measure of faith, but not everyone is part of the body. What does that mean? In Romans chapter 12, it talks about we are one body. He's given everyone a measure of faith, but if you haven't put your faith in Christ, you are not a part of the body. That's just as simple and cut and dry, as hard as you can be. It's the truth. Your faith has to be in him and not something else. So what are you using your faith for? Oh, this one hit home as I was writing some of these down. Myself. What do you put your faith in? Sometimes it is yourself and your ability to make it. All your bad coping skills, all the things that you do, your faith is in you. And boy, that is a bad place to put your faith. Don't put your faith in me. Put your faith in God. That's where my faith is. My faith is not in you. (laughs) Because you know what? I know if you're anything like me, you're probably going to mess up. You're probably going to do, you're going to have mistakes. You're not going to do it the way that I would do it. And if your faith is in me, for sure, your faith is going to be faulty. Your faith has got to be in our Christ and Savior, Jesus Christ. So now this one here, Jim, I got to work you into my sermon. Because those Vikings fans, I wish Christians had as much faith as you Vikings fans. Clearly, God has given everyone a measure of faith. Because people, those Vikings fans, they have been holding on since the 70s. This is going to be our year. (laughs) It's okay. You know what? You can enjoy your Vikings teams. But don't, don't, don't put your faith in your sports team. If they don't make it, I'm going to be upset. Like, you can enjoy things. You can have fun. But don't put your faith in them. I mean, it's okay. This can be your year, too. I mean, by the way, what I've heard, it doesn't sound like it's going to be your year. Last year, like I saw this meme and it had like all these four teams because like I think the Vikings were number four or whatever. And it was all these like, um, I can't remember what it was. It was like dragons. And then here was this one with the crazy eyes. <laughs> it was so funny because they were in the top four and everybody's like, I don't know how they got here. <laughs> this year, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> what, they won like three games, four games? Oh, okay. Six. <laughs> That was good. That made my day. I'm glad I could work you into this, Jim. (laughs) But don't worry, I got my wife I can work into here today. And Joe, I got some people we're going to work into this sermon. (laughs) Don't put your faith in your kids. Don't, Don't make them your retirement plan. Don't make them like my hope is in my children. You can love your kids to death, but don't put your faith in your kids because your kids are going to be like I was a child and I made a lot of mistakes. My mama probably has gray hair because of me. But you know what? She didn't put her faith in me. Her faith was in God that he would keep me. So that's the thing is all of our faith is going to be in him. Your relationship with God, put your faith there. That is the most important thing that you can do. So how do we find our faith? That's what we're talking about right now. Here's the thing is sometimes we put our faith into this other stuff and we end up, that ends up being the result of what we are hoping for. And what we hope for sometimes is not what God wants of us. Let's look at Hebrews 11.1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. The fruit you produce in your life will be a direct result of the placement of your faith. So where you're putting your faith, you're going to see results. They may be great results, but it doesn't mean it's of God. You just put what he gave you to serve him into something else. God doesn't mind if you have fun and you do other things. Like, as long as you're not sinning, I believe that it's okay to do. But if it becomes your central focus, maybe your faith has been put in that. So the question I'm going to ask you now is, you have faith. We all know that. But the question you have to ask yourself is, where have I placed my faith? Now, this is going to make you laugh, okay? So be ready. Be ready to laugh, okay? But, but this is the truth. Like, how many times have you put something somewhere and you just lose it? You forgot. Like, okay, I'm guilty. 99% of the time, it's me that's asking my wife where something is. It's normally never her asking me where something is. She knows where the ketchup is. She knows where the keys are. She knows where my wallet is. She knows where her, I, she, she, I, she doesn't have to ask me where anything is. She knows because she hid it there. <laughs> she knows where the sifter for the powdered sugar is. <laughs> I was like, we need to buy one. She's like, you did. I'm like, I did? She pulls it out, still got the tag on it. And I was like, wow, that does look like something I would buy. <laughs> But you see, even my wife, as much faith as I have in you, babe, you fail sometimes. <laughs> Joe, I want you to know, last night when we asked, does anyone have the key to the storage unit? I said, oh, no, Joe would have turned that key in. <laughs> Joe is a responsible person. <laughs> it's at the church. <laughs> Do you still have it? You did. <laughs> you asked about it. Oh, that's so great. See, that's the thing is we got to ask sometimes, where did I put it? I don't know. I, I think I may have lost it. You didn't lose your faith. You just forgot where you have placed your faith. My wife, Alicia, she given my key that I know where it is all the time. It's on my key ring for my truck. My wife, she gave it to Alicia, and the other night, Alicia gave it back to her, and she left it here at the church. One of the things I hate the most is my, whenever my wife asks me, oh, we left something at home, we forgot it. Can you turn around? There's just something about turning around that drives me absolutely insane. I don't know what it is. It's just like, I hate turning around. Normally, it's because we got the camper on the back or something, you know. Like, I don't want to turn around. We'll just buy another one. So anyways, I take her home, and I am sitting in the truck, and she is taking forever. And I was like, God, help me not to be mad. I'm already mad that we can't find this key. I just want to drop this stuff off at the storage unit. And she gets in the car. I literally, two seconds before she gets in the car, I was praying, God, help me not to be mad at her. <laughs> and I wasn't, but I kind of was just annoyed. And she gets in the truck, and she's like, please don't be mad at me. I was like, you can't find the key. And she's like, I can't find the key. I think it's at the church. I was like, we were just at the church. <laughs> oh, I just get done praying. God, help me not to be mad. But when she tells me it's back at the church, I think it's on the piano. <laughs> oh, but she had to talk to me about it. I had to talk to her about it. We had to work through it. But I thought it was kind of funny. We laughed about it. And I told her, I said, I want you to know I put this in my notes already that I was going to talk about how you know where everything is, but the one time you forgot, <laughs> the day before I preached, <laughs> babe, you're already in my notes. <laughs> you and Joe, 
Here we go. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't pick on you if I didn't love you. I love you greatly, babe. <laughs> but anyways, just like that, sometimes we put something where it doesn't belong and we forget where we've placed it. And the same thing is with our faith. We put it in places that it doesn't belong and we get our hope based on what we've put it on. If you put your faith into something that is not what God wants, well, maybe it's not that you don't have faith, but the placement of your faith, you have forgotten where you've put your faith. Where is it? I want to ask you today, can you evaluate and talk to the people around you? Is my faith in somewhere? Is it somewhere else? Talk to your husband. Talk to your wife. Talk to your friend. Talk to, talk to someone. Talk to me. Where is my faith? Because I feel like I'm struggling in my relationship with God. Well, where is your faith? You see, we have to talk about it. There's a part of accountability in the church. As a body, we have to allow each other to talk and be free if they think our faith is in the wrong place or even the wrong person. Because many times we can put our faith into people and people will fail us. But I want to tell you that there is a person that sticks closer than a brother. It's Jesus Christ. You have someone that is there for you. And just because you feel like you're struggling in your relationship with God does not mean you don't have faith. It means you need to find where you have placed your faith. Evaluate your life. So faith, what does it look like? Let's talk about that. Romans 12 opens with a beautiful description of what we should be. And so Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is that good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. If anything other than this, I might have my faith in the wrong place. If my life doesn't focus on my relationship with Jesus, my faith might be somewhere else. It's not about our careers. It's not about our success. It's not about our bank account. It's not about our car that we drive, the house we have. It's about my relationship with God because putting our faith in him gives us a hope of our eternity. You see, great faith is portrayed when hard times come and the word of the Lord quickens you and reminds yourself of the passage in Job, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Think about that. As Job was struggling with the loss of his family, he was struggling with the boils on his body. Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. God, if you're slaying me, yes, I'm going to keep on serving you. I wish I had that kind of mindset all the time because sometimes life hits and I struggle with the faith and temptation creeps in and I instantly revert back to the old things in my life. But serving God is important to serve him through the hard times just as much as you serve him through the good times. You see, it's the hard times where it's easy to fall into sin. It's the hard times when they come that you begin to cuss out every person in your world and, and you begin to do all these things and all of a sudden your love has been turned to hate because your faith was in the wrong place. God, help me to have my faith in you. So if you know what causes hard times, then start to take the countermeasures so that when hard times come, because when you serve God, hard times will come. When you don't serve God, hard times will come. But I promise you, 
hard times with him are better than hard times without him. And so as you fall into temptation, know that you're falling in a hard time. And you know what? Rather than go ahead and embrace the temptation and go ahead and act on it, say, no, even though I'm in this struggle, I'm still going to serve him. Even though it's a hard mindset shift because it's easier to give into those things. By putting my faith in Christ, though, my hope becomes the hope for eternity. There's this old song, this world is not my home. It goes, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Wow, you know that, Jay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then it goes on to say, Oh, Lord, you know, I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. This world should not be your home. Don't lay your treasures up where moth and rust corrupt, but lay your store, your treasures up in heaven. What is that? The treasure is your faith. The treasure is putting it into him, is to following him and to seeing the goodness of God in and through your life. This world is not my home. And I pray it's not your desire for this to be your home because this world just kind of, kind of just stinks sometimes. Amen? Okay, thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad there's five people that agree with me. <laughs> Our faith should activate a desire to see others saved. This world is not my home. Hey, Jen, are you sick and tired of this world sometimes? <laughs> I got something to tell you today, Rochelle. Jesus is better than this world. My hope is not in this world. My hope is in Jesus Christ, which is the security of my eternity. So I don't want to have my hope here. I want to have it in Jesus. We can rest assured that we believe what we believe when we're willing to tell others about what we believe. That's hard to say. But I don't know about you. Sometimes it can be hard. I don't like just run around and shove the Bible down people's throats. That's not what I do. Not how I do it. But I ain't afraid of telling people that I'm a Christian, that I serve God. And I try to live like that. Our faith should cause us to be more involved with the kingdom than the world. But sometimes our faith is in the world, so we become more involved with the world and the kingdom becomes second nature. But <clears throat> I, want my, I want my focus to be on the kingdom of God, my relationship with God, rather than the things of the world. If you can get a hold of that, if you can put your faith in Christ, I can tell you that God will do things in your life. You'll tell people about Jesus. You'll see people's lives changed. It'll be one of the most exciting, invigorating things because your faith is in Jesus. And then all of a sudden you see this fruit that's being produced and it is the most exciting thing. So if you leave it and just keep wishing for bigger and better faith, then you will ultimately develop dead faith. Nobody wants dead faith. But if you just keep wishing and hoping that you'll have a big faith, but you never take the little steps, you're going to have dead faith. So why do we need faith? 
Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You have a reward if you diligently seek him. So I want to challenge you to diligently seek God on a daily basis. Coming to God requires that you believe first. The very first thing you've got to do is believe that he is. So the following actions are a product of our faith, producing obedience to the word of God. Mark 16, 16 says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Faith helps you take a stand in a wicked world. Faith helps you go ahead and act on what God's word says that we are to do. Faith without works is dead. I put my faith in God, which produces a level of obedience to his word. I want to follow his word because that's my focus is Jesus Christ. But faith will help you stand in a wicked world. We're going to go through Hebrews 11 and be here for just a couple of verses. But Hebrews 11:24 says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Man, that hit me so hard. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Do you know what it means to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? This is the ruler of Egypt, right? This is like the Egyptian ruler, his daughter. I don't want to be your son anymore. Moses was raised being her son. But Moses realized that that's not where his heart should be. And he had to make a change and said, nope, just because I've done this my whole life doesn't mean that it equates to being right. You see, just because we've always done this does not mean that it's right. I want to follow God in what he wants. Just because you were raised a certain way doesn't mean it was right. Because everybody makes mistakes. So you're going to have to stand just like Moses said, I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I don't want to. You see, Egypt is this bondage thing. It's like sin and the world is kind of what you take it as in the Bible. And you can look at this and he was saying, nope, I'm not going to be associated with this anymore. I'm going to follow God. Faith takes walls that seem like they would hold you back and turns them to dust. Hebrews 11.30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith the walls fell. Yes, and their faith created obedience to compass the walls seven days. Because way back then, we talked a little bit about it last week when, when um, the uh, children of Israel crossed over the River Jordan. And the very next thing that they meet is these big walls and these massive walls. And God tells them to walk around the walls. And this is the instructions that he gives them. You're going to have to have faith to make it through tomorrow. Stop staring at the walls that are in your life. Stop focusing on this negative thing that's in your life. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And just be obedient. Get back in the word and say, God, help me to make it around these walls. God, help me to compass these walls seven days. Help me to make it. It's not easy all the time following God. But if you take that step-by-step process, what he's already laid before you, I promise you can make it. Seven days on the first day was one time. 
every day, one time. And on the seventh day, seven times. I can't do math in my head, so I don't know how many times that is. It's like six plus seven, something like that. Thirteen, thanks. Thirteen times. Everybody's like, thirteen's a bad number. I read Hebrews 13, 13 today. They can pass the walls 13 times. Like, I don't know. They're like, oh, 13. Just, it's a number. <laughs> Go ahead and keep stepping. For, for seven days, they had to do it. How many times do we get, we get fed up with it on day one? Because it feels like day one is day 742 of 9 million. <laughs> and we're like, oh, I'll never make it. No, just take that next step. Keep doing it. Because you might be one step away from the wall falling down. There was a point when on the seventh time they blew the trumpets. And I just want you to know that maybe you're at that point right now and you're discouraged and you're struggling, but keep taking it. You're one step away. Go ahead and have faith that you're one step away. God, I'm just one step away. And when you get there, I'm just one step away. I'm going to keep taking steps of faith in him. I'm going to keep following him. Don't give up where you're at right now. If you've got breath in your lungs, you still have purpose for the kingdom. Put your faith in him. Your faith will keep you when others don't believe. Hebrews 11.31 says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. When, he had received the, when she had received the spies with peace, Rahab didn't perish because her faith stood even when no one else believed. <clears throat> and you know what she said? When, he, when they come in and the, the spies come in, she said, we heard how you crossed over the Red Sea and our hearts had melted. Forty years the children of Israel wandered in the desert. And what they didn't know was that the enemy's heart had already melted. That if they would have just been obedient to God and possessed what God had promised already, that they would have already been living in the promised land. But generations down the road, they had to come and find out, wow, their heart had already melted. They were ready to give up when they heard that. I just wonder what would have been different if they would have just taken that step of faith and went into the promised land rather than letting fear rule their lives. I don't believe that their faith was where it should have been. If the children of Israel would have truly had their faith in God, they would have had no problem walking into that difficult place. And I think it's the same for us, that if our faith is not fully in him, when we feel that urge to go and tell someone about Jesus Christ, we'll be like, I'm too scared. I don't know the Bible enough, but I want to encourage you that even though the rest of the world does not believe, if you will just keep standing, keep having faith, keep standing, God's got his eye on you, and he loves you, and he cares about you. So when you have your faith in the right place, you will stand. <clears throat> As I close, faith is vital to our walk with God. You have enough faith right now to take the next step. But where your faith is determines that next step. That's real serious. Because if your faith ain't in him, that next step may not be for him. 
I want my faith to not be self-serving. I want it to be to bring glory to him. But you have enough to take that next step. You have enough to say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. You have enough to believe in him. You have enough to say, you know what? I've repented of my sins and the Bible says to be baptized. I have enough faith to take that next step. You have enough faith to say, you know what? I've been hearing the Bible talked about. I've been to Bible study. I'm going to teach a Bible study. I'm going to tell someone else about the goodness of God. I'm sure that there's someone in here. If you ask, does anyone want a Bible study? Someone will raise their hand and be like, yeah, I'd like a Bible study from someone. I bet you someone will be your guinea pig. If you said, I'd like a Bible study, I will pair you up. I will help you. And I promise you, ain't nobody going to judge you for your bad teaching. <laughs> well, sometimes I get judged, so it's okay. <laughs> when you take the next step, you will have the faith to take the next step too. Because it just kind of builds. I, I, I made it. I didn't fall. And maybe in the next step, you do. You trip up, you fall a little bit. But you know what? You're like, I've made it this far. I'm going to get back up again. You had faith to stand back up, so you got faith to take the next step. Keep taking steps. Each step of faith continues to build. So faith is not this mystical belief. And if we all believe enough and think good thoughts, then good things will happen. That's not what faith is. That's, that's not what that scripture is saying. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is not some mystical faith, you know, like if we all just think about it. Mm, that's not what it is. That's, that's mysticism. That's, that's witchcraft, and that's, that's not faith. If your faith is in your abilities, then, yeah, you'll probably think that if we all think good thoughts, good things will happen. But that's not the case. I got to put my faith in him and follow his leading. Faith is the practical placement of my belief in God, and I will follow his leading. That is what true faith is. My faith is in my belief in God, and his word says this, so I'm going to follow what his word says. You see, faith is a practical thing for you to have as a Christian. I'll be obedient to his word. If you're fighting with his word, then you are fighting with God because your faith is not in him. It's in someplace else. So when you come to the word and the word convicts you and you begin to argue with the word, well, now you are arguing with God and your faith was never in him in the first place. And that's why you have found yourself arguing with God. And I want you to know this from the very bottom of my heart. I argue with God myself, okay? There are things in my life sometimes that I'm just like, God, are you sure? Like, like, I know it's in your word like this, but like, does it, does it actually mean that? I think there's a scripture that says, my word is forever settled in heaven. <sighs> you know, sometimes the Bible hits you right upside the head. And you're like, mm, yeah, I guess he really did mean what he said. God is able to preserve his word. I believe it, that his word has been preserved. So when you find yourself fighting next time, say, God, clearly... I'm struggling. Help me to have my faith in you. We've all got to have faith. We all have faith. But we've all got to evaluate where we have placed our faith. And if your faith is kind of like your keys or your wallet or whatever that you often lose, my jacket, my shoes, where is it? It's normally on the chair. It's hanging up in the closet. 
That's where it's supposed to be. Why would it be there? <laughs> kind of makes sense. I'm starting to learn after 13 years of marriage. I'm starting to learn that my jacket's in the closet where it's supposed to be. <sighs> it's okay. If you have lost your faith, if, you, if, you are, if you're struggling to find it, evaluate your life. God, is my faith where you want it? Do I have my faith in you? Or have I put it in myself and my abilities or in someone else? A job. You have to evaluate your life. You can ask for help just like I often ask. Michelle, where's my jacket? And she says the closet. It's the same and as simple as I just made that sound. It really is as simple as that. Because when I admit that I'm wrong and my wife helps me, we get through it a lot faster. I find the things a lot faster. So if you can admit that you've done some wrong, that you, maybe your faith isn't where it should be, then you might be able to discover where your faith is and put it where it belongs, your faith in him. You're like, but Zach, I'm here at church. Is that faith or is that something you've always done? Were you just raised this way to come to church on Sunday? Or is it truly a vital part of your relationship with God? I'm not saying Sunday is the day, but man, it's got to be something that you desire, not just something that you do. Everything boils down to my faith is in him. I do this because it brings glory to him. I want to grow my relationship with him. I want to learn about his word. I enjoy being in the presence of God. Why do you come to prayer? Is it just something that you do? Or is it something that, ah, this is my life because this is my communion with God. That's what prayer is. Relationship with him is prayer and communicating with your savior. He's your mediator. He's the one that you go to. Go ask him. God, you know I've been a little cray-cray recently, and I can't find my faith. Can you help me find my faith? <laughs> you know, I've done some things, God. My faith ain't where it should be. Help me to put my faith back in you. Help me to be kingdom-focused and not focus on myself. Help me to be focused on your will versus my will. God, less of me and more of you is what I want. As this song plays, I want to invite you, if you would like to come and pray, I'd love to pray with you. But take some time right now as this song plays to focus on your faith. Is it where it needs to be? God, I pray that you would touch us today, that you would move in our lives, that you would strengthen each, each of us. Wrapped got me there. <laughs> Let's try that again, God. I pray you would touch each and every one of us. God, help us to put our faith in you and clearly not technology. God, I pray that you would help us today, throughout this week. We need you, God. If you want prayer, I want to invite you to come into praise. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you.
believe that? My flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. I believe that. I want to tell you, if anyone has came to the church recently and tried to use your key, if you are a, are a key holder, they recently just changed the... Uh, they recently just changed the key, the locks on the front door. So um, if you have a key, I got to get keys made and replace all the keys. So um, see me next week. I'll have keys by then. <laughs> if you have a key and you haven't been able to get in, we only have two right now. So um, I'll make new keys. Um, but I want to give you an update. I know we've talked about the other side, you know, quite a few months ago. Um, they had a change in the uh, landlord, and the landlord and the people who own the building are like, we really want you to be in that other side. Um, in one phone call, super excited, they had some ideas, and so I meet with the lady this week, that's the, the new landlord, um, but then uh, I get a phone call from the builder, and they were like, oh yeah, I think it's going to cost about this much, and the city wants you to get an engineer, though, to go through occupancy. Um, if you know anything, like, those, those are like swearing words. <laughs> Get an engineer. Um, luckily, I had some friends that were looking into some things because it sounded like maybe, um, you know, there was some differences in opinions. So I'm waiting to hear back from them, and then I'm going to talk to the landlord and see what they say. But I'm not worried. I have faith that when it's God's time, We'll walk through whatever wall, whatever door, whatever it is. And I'm not worried. So hang in there. I think there's still hope. I think something might still happen. But it might take a little bit, you know, more labor from the church other than hiring a con. Yeah, more people have to sit up here in the front row. But it might take some more people to knock down the walls instead of having a construction company do it. So eh, we can do that. So, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's your update. Um, if you have any questions about it, just let me know. Still working on it, still coming up with ideas, but um, yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. Let's pray as we close today. God, I praise you. I thank you, God. God, I pray that you would touch us, God, that as we leave this place, God, we would evaluate where we have placed our faith. Is it in you? Is it in man? Is it, is it, is it in something else, God? Is it in our abilities, ourself, God? Help us to get our faith appropriately placed where it belongs the faith that you've given, God, that we would give it back to you. God, I pray that you would touch every heart and every life, that you would strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to know what I'm talking about next week, it's finding hope. So that's the other gift. <laughs> have a great day. God bless. Shake someone's hand. Give someone a high five. Tell them you love them. If you love them, you should love them. They're your brother or your sister.